0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. Sans Pants Radio, sponsored by the delicious taste of petroleum jelly.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Hey everyone,
0: just letting you know that Gabe's book, Boone Shepard's American Adventure, is still on sale over at sanspantsradio.podkeep.com, and you can check out a filming of Carney's Dracula play over on our YouTube channel, Sanspants Cinemascope, where you'll also find Elisa's web series, I Can't Even, as well as a bunch of other things.
3: Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some films just need fixing. I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Gabe. I'm Kath. And this week it's King Arthur Legend of the Sword.
0: Before we launch into discussing the merits or more pertinently lack thereof in this film, I do want to clarify that I fell asleep halfway through. Now, normally in the name of professionalism, hang on, hang on, let me finish. Normally in the name of professionalism, I'd be like- In one job. It's important that whoever is talking about the film needs to have seen the film. However, my argument is that about halfway through this film- I was kind of watching it and I wasn't like, I guess I wasn't so tired that I simply couldn't stay awake for the rest of the film. I was watching it and I was like, okay, I'm at a crossroads right now. I'm a little bit tired. I've had a long day. I could just fall asleep or I could stay awake and watch the film. Now, granted this was about maybe 60% through the film and I was like nah fuck it I'm just going to fall asleep and my argument here is that if at 60% in over halfway through the film Mm -hmm. it has not grabbed me and I have no interest in seeing the rest of it the film probably isn't doing its job Mm. and I sort of woke up intermittently there was a big snake at one part Jude Law was a demon monster in another part I sort of got like snippets here and there and none of it was good enough to make me think, oh, shit, I should probably check back into this.
3: Do you know what? The fact that you... I know that by falling asleep and missing the other 40% of the film, you didn't miss anything. You'd miss no plot points. you missed no character introductions because who are the characters?
0: Good question. I don't know. (laughs) There was one bit where I kind of came to and it was one moment where I was like, oh, wait, is this good? And it was when I I think, correct me if I'm wrong because I was a bit out of it, it's when Arthur's going to face off with Vordigan and there's like some really cool Celtic song playing. Ah, uh, okay, there is. A, yeah, it's called The
3: Devil and the Huntsman.
0: Yeah, and, and it's like he's. It's really. moment, I was like. Folksy this kind is, of. This gravelly. is kind of where all of the disparate influences that aren't quite cohesively coming together in this film almost do, because, like, it's a classic sort of celtic style song it kind of is a little bit rough so it sort of he's like walking through landscape i think so yeah yeah. and then it's also kind of mythological and it also kind of has this swagger to it and for the first time it kind of felt like this was the moment where i saw the kind of film this could have been but for the rest of it what i saw it was like it just felt like a servant to way too many masters it wants to be like this kind of fast-paced fun guy Ritchie film but it also wants to be this fantasy epic but it also wants to be ridiculous and over the top and cgi heavy and it just none of it None of it was of the coherent. It no. didn't just come. It didn't come together in any way. The film starts three
3: times, right? Yeah. And it's a mess. There are so many montages that could literally be their own films if you wanted to do that. Like if you felt like that was necessary. Yeah, yeah. And my argument is, people are like, "Oh, it's Guy Ritchie being terrible." I'm like, no, no. The film, the part of the films that worked the best are the Guy Ritchie parts.
0: I don't. I don't necessarily think the Guy Ritchie parts worked. I think they were the parts where the film showed the most life. I really think, and I know that we. Obviously, we sort of are going to have to address the 2004 King Arthur with Clive Owen at some point, which I, I like and have a, have a big soft spot for. But I would kind of argue that both that kind of really gritty, down to earth, ostensibly realistic take on King Arthur and this kind of more revisionist, crazy sort of Guy Ritchie gangster film take on King Arthur both just don't really do any service to the original story. Like, and that's why I'm like, I'm watching the Guy Ritchie bits so and I'm like, okay, cool, this is fun, but I still don't think it suits the story. Well, then you're going to have a really good time with my pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, look, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be proved wrong. It just, maybe it was because in the context of all the rest of the fantasy bullshit and that totally incoherent prologue where I'm like, wait, what, seaweed, w- witches? It was so
1: incoherent. What are the elephants? You, you, I had
0: no- Yeah, the elephants and. Uh, we
1: literally, we had to get Wikipedia up to be like, okay, what happened? And w- I mean, we kind of had guessed, like I, I, mean, I had guessed some of it, but it was a guess. Like I didn't feel like I knew what was happening. I was like, I think this is happening, but I, I genuinely have i think the funniest thing clue. though
3: was, am i allowed to swear yeah show? you can you can fucking swear Kath.
1: i can fucking, can fucking swear, swear mate. Yeah. shit 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 fuck my point was it was so incoherent i think it had a lot of good elements to it that i enjoyed but nothing came together nothing made sense i didn't care about any of the characters because i had no fucking clue what was going on
0: or who they were the funniest thing was i knew who arthur was <laughs> that's mediat yeah but it was like <laughs> oh, he's, he's jack's teller from sons of anarchy like, just Charlie Hunnam I playing that same role. I thought it was good, though. I liked... Is. I didn't mind well, him are What's either. his last name? If you're going to cast... Like, if you want I liked Arthur it, to be I a roguish type, he's probably a good fit. For that kind of role, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I think really after good. seven seasons of Sons of Anarchy, like, Charlie Hunnam's kind of... Odd swagger and gravelly way of talking, and really bad comic timing, just all sort of. And
1: you know he was doesn't meant to come be, um, together for me. He was meant to be Christian Grey. He How was the, the original? What? Yeah, he
0: what apparently that world walked because his, like? his girlfriend didn't want him to do
3: the. No, he read the script and went no thanks.
1: Oh, see, I heard he I heard it's funny he walked that, because, because he was in this
3: film. Huh. So he didn't read the script for this one because there wasn't Might one. Not. They just went yeah no just um we're gonna yeah. have a snake uh, and you're gonna oh you're gonna you're gonna put a Viking sword and and there's gonna be um. Why are the Vikings in this film? Also, I don't know. Just quietly, I was like, why, What are they doing here? What's the what's the know. purpose of them? And like we addressed the magical elephant in the room, which
0: is the- the, um, the magical elephant, the magical in the elephant film. They um, were great. I
1: like them. They were a bit of fun. But why? Oh, yeah. But sometimes those little details, like there were magic elephants in Lord of the Rings. Like sometimes little you know,
2: no, details of no, the world don't need explanation. Hang on. Hang on.
1: Cass, <laughs> oh God, What have I done? Did you
3: just compare yes. the shitty elephants at the start <laughs> of King Arthur with the amazing elephants? In Lord of the Rings. Wait, did, wait, yes, wait, guilty. wait, wait, wait. Guilty. Guilty as
0: charged. Wait, Kath,
3: get out.
1: <laughs> just leave. <laughs> in my house. What
3: are you doing? Uh, and uh, on that note.
1: <laughs> I've been Kath. i see you guys next week. Yeah, look, I
0: mean, I don't know. I, I think it's a curious one, this film, because in so many ways, like, I mean, I think they were talking before it got made about. Planning like nine sequels. That's, yeah. that's, that's the magical thing in the room. I wanted for to
1: address anything,
3: right? yeah.
0: And then there's things like you know the fact that they wanted to, or, or like nine, maybe maybe it was. That's six, why, That's it's like why it's the, not called they don't King Arthur. Merlin, they don't do all of this stuff. Nuts. It's like so much of it is built. And this is like, I mean, it's it's sort of you know symptomatic of the current problem with Hollywood blockbusters, which is that every film seems to be made with the intention of setting up the next five films instead of actually, I don't know, being a good film. That's why it's subtitled, so that they can have. But Other my versions. question is, who thought this was going to work?
1: I reckon on paper, like maybe the scripted version of it was easier to follow, and therefore the payoffs of the plot were there. there were payoffs, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because a yeah. lot of because you could
3: see characters. A names lot of
1: lost stuff. Information <laughs> was lost in me in not knowing who the the person was or what exactly they were doing. But if it was written, it would be clearer. So maybe it's a it's a translation issue, potentially you, from from script to screen. Do
3: you know? While I was writing this pitch, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, who are all the characters in it? I had to I look it up on IMDb because yeah. like, the literally only character's name I knew was Bedivere, uh, Goose Fat Bill. Didn't even know what the king's re- – like he was king what? I thought, his name, I thought he was – king Jude Law? Again. King was like Fardigan, Fodigan, Fagerdigan. Is this Jude Law's character? It. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. King Vartigan. 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 Vartigan.
3: But-, but it's pronounced differently by every character in the movie. Yeah,
1: super. Because they've all got different dialects. But like they're the, but, all different English accents,
0: which is fine. But like, uh, let's just come on. Maybe like that's part of what the film was about. It's all about Arthur uniting the disparate parts of Britain. Maybe that was like a bit of whoa, subtle. Whoa, we don't need to fix subtle, this film, yeah. guys. Is this maybe it's great? actually a masterpiece. <laughs> <It's> actually, don't <laughs> know. People going to look at this film maybe in years the, from now and go, oh my god. In the era of <laughs> Brexit, maybe its relevance yeah. has been understated by <laughs> the rest of us. Maybe that is it's a very long bow to draw <laughs> and try <laughs> and shoot Jude Law with Gabe.
3: <laughs> How great is okay. that sniper scene? With the fake king that's, oh, yeah, that's never right. explained. Or never explained that, that, that he's got a weird slug women living in a pond in the bottom of his castle or why he's building the castle in the first place or who he is or or why he wants to do what he wants to
0: do. Or, and even like I don't the, even
1: know who you're talking about. In the part of the that's film I was I most
0: am. awake for, which was the first 20 minutes, when it's like, wait, so at what point did we learn that Jude Law was working with the mages and wanted to get rid of his? It's no, we literally learned he, he was evil when he stabbed his – Okay, now get, uh, uh, unless right. I miss something, he is yeah, he's he's but, Arthur's uncle. Yeah, yes. no, I got uh, that, but he <laughs> he stabbed his wife to summon a sea witch yeah. to kill so his brother, you, who was just running away despite getting. Unless I miss something, no clear indication yeah. that. How does he know to run were, away? How does he know to run away? How does yeah. he know his brother's coming for him? I like what think. was? Oh, there was there was there was a beat where he came and woke he, woke the sun up. Yeah, so obviously something had tipped him off, but but we didn't see what that was. It was. The magical was. sword, probably. Yeah, one moment he was like, "Yeah, no, we didn't." One moment he was just kind of talking to what his what I mean brother about- in his court, and the next moment he's like, "We have to go." And it's like, "Wait, what? How
1: did you know that's, this?" That's, like, what, that's what I mean about how you had to guess. Like, I kind of had guessed that, but it wasn't like I didn't feel like, "Oh, I'm I feel smart as an audience member." Like you know how sometimes they do that; they yeah. let the audience figure it out. I yeah, didn't feel yeah. that. I just felt kind yeah, exactly. of like uncertain. I was like, they didn't I didn't give think you figure it out."
3: They literally gave you none information and went, "Ah, well, he's a bad guy." fill in the gaps. The killing people that you care about thing is great because the whole idea was yeah. that he had to sacrifice someone he cared about to become a powerful evil. It wasn't, mage. Like
1: he, it wasn't really established that he cared about. It. I mean, he was married no. to her, but he like kills his wife and
3: then he keeps his daughter alive. What? And that that fat, scary tentacle monster living in the bottom of the pond literally says to him, "Tom, are you, you know,
0: fat-shaming tentacle monsters?"
3: Yeah, I am. I don't like tentacle what? monsters. Wow. You know, that, that grotesque creature yeah, at the bottom yeah, of yeah. the well of his castle. But it was literally like, you know what the payment is if you want us to help you. But I'm like, wait, are they not helping him all the time then? Also, quick one, why the fuck is David Beckham in this film?
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> he was great.
3: Arguably that was one of the parts I enjoyed the most. He did, most have, he did the my favourite line. Of what the, was the line? One hand, no, ten digits, round the sword, left foot, right foot, back on the barge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very well, so, Richie. So, so his sword was in... His dad, his dad, who was a stone, yeah. who who oh, threw yeah, the sword yeah. in the air so the sword would that. fall into his back, so he'd become a rock, so the rock would sink, and then the water would go away, and then he had to pull the sword out of his dad, <laughs> mm. and it made him like fight super
3: fast. Yeah, his, his whole and thing was like that he it, could he could fight it like to, like the flash. That film was, was dumb. It was it was dumb. So what have you done to it? All right, so I think the biggest problem is, as I said, Guy Ritchie. I think the, those elements gave it the most life, so I've yep. tried to go to those elements. That's the part of the story I liked: is the the roguish King Arthur, how he became King Arthur. I've yep. scrapped all of the magic, pretty much. Like, okay, there's no there's no giant snake. There's no mage girl whose name I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's just Mage is what she's referred to. There's no sword that makes you run really fast. It's just a it's just a cool sword. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no magic. And I've done some recasting, um, which will as we'll get to them, I'll announce them. Um I have kept Charlie Harnum, though, just because I felt like he was appropriate. But if you guys can think of a better roguish British gent in a Charlie Harnum mold, feel free to. Shooting.
1: Tom Hardy? No, he's too mm, I thought Tom spindly. Hardy is too
3: Tom Hardy. Yeah. I, I yeah, did okay. think that at one point. And he
1: probably would think that making this film is more important than um, charity work and, and going overseas. You guys know what I'm referring to, no, right? No, not, not at oh, all. Oh, you guys heard his speech for um, the night manager at the Golden Globes when he was like. No, that's
3: Tom Hiddleston.
1: Oh, what did I – who are we talking about? I was Tom when Hardy. you like,
3: spindly. I was like, wait, <laughs> Tom I Hardy's it's...
0: Bane. Uh, He's
1: enormous. I feel like it. I nearly idiot. went
0: with Tom Hardy, but I just thought
1: – Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, not too – You're too right, yes, oh, What about
0: um? if you want to get a bit younger? Because that was one thing where, like – well, it seemed like you know there was like, oh, men of a certain age it was like, how many years have passed? Like what, twenty years or something? It's yeah. like, okay, so we're asked to believe that Charlie Hunnam's like maybe in his late twenties. Charlie Hunnam's almost forty. Yeah, yeah, but like, he, leads what, he about, leads. what about what about
1: it's possible? He played How up. about I believed
0: it? If you want like a roguish King going Arthur, thirty. Jack O'Connell, uh,
1: oh. mid to late twenties. Refresh my memory on uh, Cook
0: end. from Skins.
3: Nah, I need someone a bit more bigger. Just because of age-wise, some of the other more casting, I and mean, it's someone older, probably than Jack O'Connell. Okay, so someone Charlie Hunnam. I'm okay with Charlie Hunnam's age, but probably maybe let's
0: use him as a placeholder for now. All right, and, then, and if you think of yeah. anyone, see,
1: I thought he was great. I wouldn't. I thought he was like Carl the biggest draw. Nah, do you
0: know yeah. what? When you said so
1: you that, get, I thought you said Keith Urban. Yeah, the country. Clearly, listens,
2: I don't know um,
3: who anyone is. We could, yeah, we'll, we'll get. Your, when you see who else I've cast around Charlie Hunnam, that might make it easier. Okay, to cool. Look cool, at who we cast. Cool. Anyway, so all right. So the film just opens on like just black. And you just hear this old man's voice go, once upon a time, there was a wicked king.
1: Oh, great accent. Fade up.
3: And we go to the city of Londinium at night and we're zooming in on on Kung Fu George, the Chinese Kung Fu master who trains Charlie Hunnam in the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's like fighting Dojo and he's sitting around a fire and there's all these little kids, like young kids sitting around him. He's spinning this yarn. Basically, he's telling the story of the mage King Mordred fighting King Uther, right? So he tells that that whole opening sequence happens but through this story
0: and is told in a way similar to the Deathly Hallows story in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Um, like, okay. Ooh, so it's like still kind of like, are we still getting like the elephants and the magic and everything, yeah, but see, the assumption being because it's a story, yes, it's embellished? Awesome. So you get all that kind of stuff. It's like ink or smoke because he's telling it in a campfire.
3: Now, as he's telling this story about how, you know, this evil stick figure creation fighting this hero, it's all about how he talks about how, you know, when he was going to take him on, King Uther was a nobody. You know, he's nothing. He was nobody. And he had to take on the most powerful wizard in the world. How was he going to get him? He had to sneak up on the castle. is was kind of the premise. And as he's doing that, we now intercut with this story of the evil King Mordred and sneaking up on him to a young blonde street ruffian sneaking outside a bar and just teeming with blacklegs, which are the name of the guards. Yep. And this is, of course, a young Arthur. So he's standing there outside this bar and there's another nervous boy standing behind him. He's got sort of dark hair and he's like, Arthur, there's, there's too many of them. He's like, sure, at the front door, but we're not going in the front door. And he points up to a window that's open. Anyway, as George's story continues, it kind of foreshadows, you know, they sneak through a back yep, entrance, yep. they go da-da-da-da, they steal the thing, and basically the idea is that Uther sneaks into this magical castle, steals the sword to then fight Mordred. Um, and in doing this, we see a young Arthur and his his best mate Lancelot sneaking through this inn full of black legs, and they break into a room and they, they're kind of stealing. It looks like money. They're going through money. And then Arthur stops because he spots on this dressing table this, like, beautiful brooch. And just in the last minute, he grabs the brooch. George's story reaches its amazing crescendo of Uther kills the mage king, cut off his head, and you see Arthur pick up the brooch and he's like, yes! And then the door bursts open and George finishes his story. of You know, the celebrations are premature for the mage king was not dead and grew into a terrible dragon and, you know, scares the kids. But as that's happening... The guards burst in, spot Arthur Lancelot, and we see uh, Mercer. Now, this guy's character is actually called the Earl of Mercia. I thought his name was Mercer, (laughs) so I've called him Mercer Stone. Uh, He's a general in the Blackguard's army, and he opens the door, and he's just like, you little bastards. And there's kind of a chase sequence as they're trying to get out of the, the inn. All the guards are running after them. They just manage to escape. And as George continues the story, and he's like, you know, and with one final leap, Arthur uh, knew he had to sacrifice himself to save mankind and he jumps into the giant – you see him jump into this dragon's mouth and at that moment you see Arthur realise that they both can't get out of there so he just kicks Lancelot out the open window, slams it shut and just stands there to cop the full brunt of the consequences that he's going okay, to Okay,
1: cool.
3: So the idea is that we see that Arthur's an all right all right guy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Anyway, and as, as that's going on, you just see the guards walk in and, and Arthur just gives them this like most charming little, all right, fellas – and he's got a bag of gold in one hand, and in the other hand behind his back, the brooch. We go back to the dojo, and George is finishing his story, and they, you know, and they say the sword Excalibur is still said to be embedded in the skin of dead Mordred the dragon, all that kind of thing. Whoever wields the sword will be the next true king. And they're like, oh my god, this is so cool. At which point, it's George. And he turns around, and there's a whole group of black legs led not by Mercer, but instead by. Jack's eye, which is the name of Bruce Bolton's character in this film. Who well, I'm yep. just gonna be calling Jack from now on. Okay. So two guards, one guy called Mercer Stone, one guy called Jack. Brings him in, and he's like, George, one of your boys. And there's Arthur. And George turns back and goes, Nah, it doesn't look like me, Jack, because he's yep. Chinese Kung Fu Master. And he's like, Mercer. It's like, no, boy's name's Arthur. Not that he's one of mine. Yeah. His name's Arthur, but he tried to rob Mercer. Thanks, Jack. And Jack walks away, hands him over the boy, and just as he's leaving, he's like, I can't keep doing this forever, George. George's like, It's all right. They send all the other kids away and Arthur's kind of standing there with George looking a bit sheepish and feeling really nervous and George doesn't say anything to him, just starts like walking around the fire and Arthur's like, I didn't want to do anything wrong. Like, we're, just, we're just hanging out there. It was like no fault. I, was just, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't trying to steal him. I was actually after and then out of nowhere George just rushes in with his big stick and starts beating the shit out of him. So every time Arthur tries to defend himself, get back up, George just comes back and just starts wailing on him, wailing on him, wailing on him. And then finally Arthur starts to try to fight back. And just when he's getting the upper hand, George just trips him over and pins him to the floor and he's just like, you got caught again. Getting sloppy, Arthur. He's like, yeah, I only got caught because I was letting Lancelot go. At that, George kind of, your heart's too big to be a thief, Art. And what did you take? Well, they took the gold off me. He's like, and? And he pulls out a brooch. He's like, it's not. It's for gin. I think she'd like it. He's like, you can't keep doing this. Like the the black legs will will get you. you. You just, You're not. This invincible kind of kid, all right. For punishment, you got to do extra training. And now, basically, we get that whole sparring montage that plays out during the film, but just better. So it's literally just a scene of the two of them sparring and other kids coming and sparring with them. So you don't get that. Instead of being a really long sequence where he's weirdly giving money to the docks and stuff, it's literally like a thirty-second thing where every time he's fighting, he's getting better. He's getting better. He's older. And then finally, in the last fight, him and George are going at it, and he trips George and pins him. Just goes, "Got you again, You're getting sloppy old man." That haha, cool. Fun. And then it literally just kind of does this like smash cut, Guy Ritchie cut, pans out of the thing, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of a chase sequence Ooh. where Arthur's just running along and he's flanked by uh, Lancelot, who is now a grown adult man, played by Luke Evans. Cool. Ooh, okay. On okay. the other side, Jin, who is Guinevere. Yeah. in this round table, yeah, Knights yeah. the Round Table who's played by, um, is it Ruth Neger, who's <gasps> in Preacher and yes. Lovings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's, yes. she's running alongside oh, him and they're, they're all running and there's like people I chasing after her. them. And these guys have just got like gold and jewels and what we get now is kind of a cool Guy Ritchie kind of fast chase sequence where they're actually like throwing gold to one another and like jumping through doors and just getting away and pretending to be in costumes. Awesome. And we meet the rest yeah. of his childhood band of friends. So we meet Percy in Galahad. Percy played by Joseph Gilgan. Awesome. From, um, from preacher also, but also misfits. misfits. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and that great guy Pierce film in space. Uh, lockout, lockout.
0: And this is England.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Galahad, played by John Boyega, who's in Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Wars. yeah, yeah, yeah. And awesome. finally, this like in one of the bits where they're running, they just run into this huge mountain of a guy who is Bevedere. Uh Callum Mulvey, who's that Australian actor who played yeah, one yep. of the Moran brothers? He's in like the Avengers and stuff. Big dude has like a kind of hair lip. He's just—he's big guy. So he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's he's a dude. really big, imposing, dangerous. And he kind of like picks up the two twins and runs off with them, and it's this really kind of madcap, fun adventure chase sequence. You know, you could even have it with captions with their names in it, because Guy Ritchie's films always used to have like people's names. Yeah. Or you okay. have—you could literally just have. Arthur saying people's names or them saying like Percy, like a- grab this. Jin yeah. it, Jin, do it over me. Yada, yada, I wonder kind of if the
0: name's coming up on screen is just a little bit Suicide Squad. So we don't do that because Suicide Squad shit then. Yep. No it's names. Let's not associate ourselves with that <laughs> at um, all.
3: But so we see so we see a couple of things in this. We see <laughs> Percy and, and Galahad are kind of working in sync and pretending to be people and stumbling and doing all this stuff. Beverly is just like knocking people out of the way. Jin's got a bow and arrow and she's just like shooting people down, and then when she loses arrows, she picks up another guy's sword and starts cutting people down with the sword. Lancelot's also quite good with the sword, but he doesn't leave Arthur's side that kind of stuff and basically by the end of it arthur's managed to get rid of all of the golden possessions that he had to every single other person so by the time he like gets to the end of this like street he crashes into a bunch of guards and they're like what are you doing he's like i'm just walking to the street and they're like you know check him he's got nothing on him he's kind of like yeah i'm good and then he hears like just someone yelling out behind him and he turns around we don't see what's chasing him we'll see it later but we don't see what's chasing him He turns around, he's just like oh shit and he goes to take off again at which point He just crashes into this completely bewildered person carrying an armful of texts, like just a guy carrying, like, scrolls and books (laughs) and stuff, just bang, just crashes into one another and they're just sort of fumbling around there and he hears the voices approaching. So Arthur, like, picks him up and just picks up a scroll and pretends they're both reading it and we see a bunch of Vikings run past. And then he puts the, you know, the the scroll down and it's like, oh, who the hell are you? And it's this weird, strange-looking fella. It's, uh a bald Daniel Radcliffe. What? Completely bald Daniel Radcliffe. In like like eyebrows? Gloves. Yep, yep. So like Daniel Radcliffe with alopecia. <gasps> okay. Um, and this is Merlin? Maybe. Yeah, no, this is Merlin. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he's kind of like, oh, what's going on? And you just see Arthur like, puts all these things in his hands and he's like, cheerio then. And off he goes. And this guy just kind of like, what? Oh, my God. And then he looks and he sees all the blackleg guards that, that had searched Arthur but decided to let him go. And as soon as Merlin sees him, his eyes grow wide with terror, and he just turns around and starts following Arthur because this guy clearly knows what's what's going on. He's kind of helped me hide and all this kind of stuff. So they're walking for a bit, and Arthur does that like funny Nemo thing where he just takes really weird routes, and this guy just keeps following him. And he turns around, and he's like, "You better not be following me." "Oh no, I'm not." Um, "We're just we're just going in the same direction." He's like, "No, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that you were going that way." And as he says that, he just turns around, pushes him through a door, and keeps going. And then as he gets out on the street, there's this bald weirdo again. He's like, "Okay, again." I'm going this way. I'm pretty sure you're going this way. And as he goes to push him that way, there's a whole bunch of guards just standing around and he just feels like Merlin sees up. He's like, no, 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 no. And Arthur goes, Ugh. he recognises that there's a person here who doesn't really want to be caught by guards. He can sympathise with that and he's kind of like, fine, you're coming this way then. And he just links arms with him and they, they trudge off. And as they're walking along, he's like, Arthur, what? Nice to meet you. What? I'm Arthur. No, 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 uh, Merlin? Merlin? What kind of a dumbass name is Merlin? Um, it's my name. I'm I'm a monk. It's like, oh, thank God I thought you did that to yourself. Oh, no, I did. I, I did it on purpose because I'm a monk. Yeah, mate, that's a joke. All right, come with me. <laughs> so it's that kind of bantery kind of stuff and they're walking along and anytime Merlin goes to kind of explain anything more about himself, Arthur just kind of shuts him down by insulting him um, and they go back to the brothel that is the base of operations, similar to the, the original film, and they walk in and, you know, they take him inside because what else are they going to do? They're going to have to look after them. You know, he's a, a, a stray. Arthur loves strays. There's that bleeding heart of his. So it brings him in and as he walks in, you've got the rest of the gang there and they're counting up the loot and dividing it all up. And Arthur walks in with Merlin and as he does, he just kind of whistles and they all just kind of bang tables and all the gold disappears and they put tablecloths on and they're just, just sitting there playing cards. There's nothing, cool. You know, that kind of stuff. And Lancelot looks up and he's who's that? And I was like, this is Merlin. He's in a bit of trouble. He looks like a twat. Well, he's a monk. They all look like twats in our fair. <laughs> and one's like, oh, hi. He's like, Merlin, this is Lancelot. He's the best swordsman in Londinium. And you just hear this, excuse me. I turn around and there's Jin. It's like, oh, that's Jin." Guinevere. Don't call her that. She's just annoyed because she's actually the best swordsman in Londinium. But the problem is she can't be the best swordsman in Londinium. And Lancelot's like, because she's a woman. And she, like, pulls out a knife and holds it to him. He's like, I mean, because she's better with a bow. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Relax. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, excuse me. fine, well." Who's this then? Why he looks like a twat? Oh, that's Merlin. He looks like that because he's a monk. Oh, all those monks look like twats. That kind of thing. <laughs> At which point she's like, "Well, what's what's he doing here?" And I it's like, "Oh, he's in a bit of the boil and bubble, apparently." Isn't that right, Arthur? He's like, "Yeah, a bit of boil and bubble." And Merlin's like, "What is happening here?" It's like really fast dialogue. Then Percy and Galahad come back from stories and they like, "All right, who's this then?" It's like, "Up, oh, this is Merlin." Who's Merlin? It sounds like a twat. He's a monk. That kind of stuff. Yep. And it's like, "Up, oh, this I'm, I'm Percy. This is Galahad. We're twins." And Merlin's kind of like twins. Really? It's like, he doesn't, he doesn't believe us, mate. No, I think it's because I'm on my Irish heritage. Yeah, it's definitely because of your Irish heritage. That's really rude, mate. That's racist, that kind of thing. Uh, and then finally they introduce them to Bevedere. It's like, this is our loudmouth Bevedere. It's like, oh, it's because he never shuts up. Like, mate, he doesn't have a tongue. That's really rude. <laughs> anyway, so it's all that kind of absurd banter of what's he hiding from? And it's like, you know, what's it matter? He's, he's on the run. He's hiding. And Melon's like, oh, they, th- th- the Blacklegs want to kill me. And they all just stop and they're all like, all the, all the fun banter and nonsense just stops and they're like, they want to kill you. He's like, yes, the king wants me dead. The king, the actual king wants you dead. You're a bald twat. Why would the king want you dead? It's like, because of who I am. I'm a monk of the holy order of the sword. And they're all just like, oh, I hate those wankers. I knew he looked like a twat, that kind of thing. So we don't really know what the holy order of the sword is. These guys clearly don't like them, and Arthur's all of a sudden cage He's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" He's like, "I did try several times." It's written on that scroll that you picked up, and Arthur and Phil's the scroll, and he's like, well, "That's pointless." He's like, all "Right, we've we've got to get you out of here." And just as they're trying to like work out what to do, and Merlin's like, "No, no, no, I need to stay here. You said you'd protect me." And then bang, George rushes in. And he's like, he goes to because like, all right, guys, quick, who's this twat? Then um, this is mm-hmm. Merlin. He has to hide. Right, don't care. We need to get out of here because the black are coming. He's like, we can't get out of here. We've got to you know try to cover this up and they're coming in now, they're doing random raids and things. Apparently they saw a suspicious character and they all just look at Merlin and Merlin's like, hi, I'm a monk. (laughs) Anyway, so they end up trying to sort of hide hide him quickly because the blacklegs are coming and George is like, there's no time for that now, all this kind of stuff. And then just as the blacklegs are walking in, they've managed to cover up all of their stolen goods. They've like thrown Merlin into a room with a bunch of women and Merlin's just like, oh, my God, women, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Um, And just as they're about to do that, Arthur just turns and looks at George and notices he's got splatters of gold paint all over his back on his shoulder, quickly just throws a robe over the paint, bang, Jack, and a whole bunch of black legs burst through the room. At this point they're now just searching. It's a bit like that scene in the film where they come in searching for someone and they're pushing things around and, yeah. and Jack keeps telling him, no, 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 be nice to these guys, be nice to these guys, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. But in this instance they're, they're searching for a strange character who's been running about the place and also uh, there's been more instances of people graffitiing over the city and we learn just through bits and pieces that there's these gold crowns that have been – from the film poster, there was a great like gold crown image that was painted on the poster and I saw that and I was like, why isn't that used in this film at any point? They paint a blue thing with a red red sword in a rock. Yeah, yeah. Paint that gold crown that you put in all of your marketing because it's the coolest crown ever. So that's what these basically is replacing this. So maybe we saw that in the chase sequence. Maybe we've seen it in Londonium. You've just seen maybe the guards are – they're always around, like, trying to wash that off the walls. Anyway, so there's been more of those things, plus i have seen some unusual activity, so they're just searching all houses in this block. And then while they're standing there, Jack just walks over and Arthur is like, can I have a word? It's like, yeah, sure, come on. And we now get a repeat of that fucking awesome beat, which is the best beat of the film, where they sit down and Jack's like, right, tell me what you did today. He's like, I woke up. I had
1: breakfast. Yeah.
3: Yep. So in this one, he's like, oh, no, nothing much. I went down to meet the Vikings, and you just kind of see a quick snippet of like, him like fighting a bunch of Vikings. He's like, yeah, you know, they had to pay their tariffs to to you know, keep their boats here. He's like, that all that happened? He's like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you get back to the start of the day? What did you do this morning? And he's literally like, I woke up. and this time he wakes up on a boat next to a Viking lady who was definitely not his Viking lady. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just woke up. And the door bursts in, and there's all these angry Vikings. So now we get the filler of that chase sequence that we opened on with is that they were robbing the Vikings at the start of the thing. And he basically lies to Jack. And as he lies to Jack, he's like, Oh no, it was just a casual stroll, you know, through the docks. We then see them like running, jumping, fighting, all that kind of stuff. At the end of it all, Jack's just like, look again, I'm only telling this because I like you leave those Vikings alone. They're guests of the King. It's like, they're here to negotiate another trade deal or some arbitrary thing, similar to the film, probably not children, which is, I think what it is in the film is that, I got the implication that they're, like, sending young boys to go to the Vikings.
0: Yeah, that was a yeah. beat that I thought was really odd, and then but then I just think I fell asleep at the before end. it got
3: resolved. No, 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 oh, didn't it get resolved? No, didn't oh. get resolved. Um this is great Remember, movie. But there's no resolutions. And basically they walk out of the raid and everyone's kind of moved on uh, and everything's okay and it seems like the Blacklegs are about to leave when, you know... One of them like opens the door that they've shoved Merlin in and rather than like hide, Merlin's just standing in the doorway in his very distinctive monk robes of the holy sword and if they spot him it's going to be really bad and Merlin's just standing there freaking out and the guard hasn't realised yet and Arthur just is like and walks over and then just punches the guard in the face, like just bang. Mm -hmm. And Jack's like, you're kidding. And then they all jump on him and they're arresting him and just as they're dragging him out, Arthur turns to Lancelot and he's like, you know, make sure my cousin gets where he needs to go before I get home. And they drag him out. And then we just cut. Arthur's in the stocks. And all the other people in the stocks are like, hey, Art, how's it going? He's like, that- yeah, pretty good. So this, this happens a bit. He ends up in the stocks at the end of the day. Um, and here you meet a character, one of the other criminals is a guy called Chatty Charlie because I love that kind of thing in you know, Guy Ritchie gangster films. Everyone has a stupid name. They almost do it with that whole which George, Kung Fu George, yeah, King George, yeah, yeah, yeah. St. George the Dragon. So, yeah, so you have Chatty Charlie. He's like, oh, yeah, no, when I get out of here, I'm, I'm going for it. And I was like, oh, what are you going for, Charlie? And all the others kind of sick. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, the one job and then we'll all retire. I'm going to rob the king. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, no, nah, I've got an inn. I know where he keeps his prized treasure. I'm going to get there. It's kind of this rambling old man. But Arthur's kind of nice and humours him and they all kind of do a bit of banter. And then out of nowhere, Jen appears and she's got a set of keys. And he's like, you're early. you not... I'm supposed to be here for another couple of hours. You're just supposed to come and let me out now. And she's like, we have a problem. It's like, what? He's like, we have a problem. Bang. Opens it up. They go back to the brothel and, uh, there's Merlin just sitting there, and all of the other, we're gonna, I'm just going to call them Knights of the Round Table, even though they're not Knights of the Round Table. The gang, the other gang. Yeah, yeah. They're all standing there, very annoyed. Loudmouth Beverly with no tongue is just standing with one hand on Merlin's shoulder. And Merlin's like, Hi, Arthur, how are you going? It's like, I thought I told you to send my cousin on his way. He is my cousin. Why is he on his way? He's like, We tried. Jen's like, Yeah, we tried it multiple times. Galahad's like, We tossed him in the river. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like, there's a bit of water around and He's like, yeah, look, I just, I just need to lie low just, just for a couple of days. I, I'm, I'm on a quest. I've been sent here by my master. I'm on, you know, the quest to to do the sword, a pilgrimage kind of thing. He's like, you know, my research points that that its location is nearby, but I just need to wait until the black legs have, like, cooled off a bit and then I can get out of your hair and I'm out of the city. And Arthur's like, we we just don't have time to deal with this, right? Okay, you're a weird bald man chasing an imaginary sword. If we hide you here, the king, who is a real angry man, will kill us with a real sword. At which point George appears and it's like, he can stay with me at the dojo. If you're not going to house him here, he can stay with me. All right? I was like, oh, fine. So send him off. And just before they go, Arthur pulls him beside. He's like, gold pain on your shoulders? You're getting sloppy, old man. And George is like, you know, there's still a place open for you in the resistance. I was like, look. There's only one kind of gold I'm interested in, and it's not paint. And George is like, well, whenever you're ready to take up arms against the, you know, tyranny of the king, my doors always open. We'll look after your monk for a couple of days. George's like, thanks for putting your neck out. And then you know they depart, and we kind of get a nice thing of the, the guy, the gang drinking, talking about their spoils and what what's next for them, what's their next kind of plan. And then bang, bang, bang. Next morning. Uh, Someone's banging on the door of the brothel And Arthur sits up And Lancelot and Jin are sort of getting in They're kind of that next day They're a bit hungover They all sit up And this little boy runs in He's like, you have to come You have to come Quick, quick, quick It's like, what's going on? What's wrong? George And so they they take off as this group And they run all the way to George's dojo And there are black legs everywhere And not just the normal guard kind There are the really, really fucking scary kind We see General Mercer walking around So you know some shit's going to go down When General Mercer's around and as they walk through here, we see that there's just a crowd of people outside as well, and there's, like, flags everywhere. There's, there's some kind of ceremony or something taking place, and as they're walking through, Arthur hears some people talking that, oh, yeah, no, they're looking for this weird monk guy, and they came down here. They, he's the leader of the resistance, isn't he? And Arthur's just pushing his way through the crowd, and then he gets there, and there's George and all of the stuff for the resistance. There's a couple of other miscellaneous soldiers, I guess, as well, that are with George, and they're all bound and just on their knees in this square. Arthur just doesn't know what to do and he's like thinking about looking around and he's quickly sending people and they're trying to work out a plan on the fly and it's just and all of a sudden all of the guards just drop to their knees and Arthur's like, shit. And they look and the crowd parts and through walks the king. In my version of the film, not played by Jude Law.
1: No, Jude Law was so good though. Played by Ben Mendelsohn. Oh,
3: Because I okay. wanted someone evil. And not yeah. Jude Law.
1: And Ben Mendelssohn is the most evil.
3: He is. Have you seen that video of him doing, just yeah. reading The line King? Yeah. I was terrifying. just thinking about that. That's what yeah. inspired me to make him my king. Are okay.
1: He, he's a scary man. I'll go with
3: it. So he walks forward and, and as he, he walks out and he kind of does this big speech about how corrupt the resistance is, how that we have to be strong and brave and that we're just here to protect you because you don't know how to look after yourselves. If it wasn't for people like me, you'd be bleeding in the streets and all this, basically pretending that. He's just looking out for all of them. And at the end of the speech, he's just like, kill them. (sighs) And bang, they kill them. George dies. And as George dies...
1: We're we're talking chopping heads off?
3: Yeah, chopping heads off, probably. That's usually the way to go. Yeah, Cutting heads off. As they do it, Arthur just bursts through the crap. Doesn't even think about it and just, like, roars, no. And then all of a sudden he realises he's just inches from the king. He just stops. And all these guards pull swords and go near them. And, And the king just holds up a hand and just slowly, slowly turns around. Just eyeballs Arthur. What are you going to do, boy? And Arthur just doesn't do anything. He just stands there. He's like, hmm? You know this man? You like this man. You want to hit me, don't you? Well, go on. Hit me. These boys won't attack you, and he indicates the guards. Hit me. Come on. Why won't you hit me? Oh, that's right. Because I'm the king. And you're nothing. 30 lashes, throws him to the ground. Some guards come out and they just whip the shit out of Arthur. And as, as the king leaves, the last story he gives, he goes, burn it all. And the other guys just start burning the dojo. So we get this kind of fairly epic shot of the king and all these blacklegs leaving the corpses of his mentor and friends on the ground. And Arthur just getting whipped, like, the shit out of him as this dojo burns. And he's just a mask of just rage. So he, he kind of just sits there and then we see him recuperating back at the brothel. And then Galahad and Percy burst in and they've got Merlin. He's survived. And all of the kind of just sad, quiet, cold fury in Arthur just bursts out and he just assaults Merlin, just starts kicking him and hitting him. He's like, this is your fault. You're the reason that my friend's dead. You're the reason that Dojo burned down. So many people have died because we were protecting you. Get the fuck out of this city. If I see you again, you won't have to worry about the king. I'll kill you myself. And Merlin's kind of like, oh, and off he goes. And now we kind of, they have like a, maybe like an observance or a service to remember George. And they're kind of sitting down there and they're all kind of quiet. And there's all these like criminals and a lot of people came out for this man. Cause yes, while well, he was reading really resistance, so a lot of these street urchins and these ruffians and these rogues and the prostitutes working in the brothels, they're all raised by George. George was like everyone's dad. Mm. And while they're sitting there, Arthur's kind of, you know, you know, at funerals where people are thanking you and you kind of, like, oh, you think, oh, you think, you're not really paying attention. And then Arthur spots Chatty Charlie across the room and he just grabs Lancelot by the shoulder. He's like, we're going to make him suffer. We're going to rob the fucking king. Chatty Charlie. And then literally you have a scene where they've sat Charlie down and they're all, like, interrogating him. And Charlie's gone to what He's like, I don't know. I didn't do anything. It's not me. I never was there. It never happened. He's like, you told us that you knew where the king kept all his, like, most prized possessions. Where is it? He's like, what? He's like, the, the treasure, the king's treasure. We're going to rob the fucking king's treasure. Like, it's the last job, the end of jobs. We're going to hit him where it hurts in his pocket. Where's the king's treasure? It's like, oh, it's really hard to get into. It's the fort at Camelot. It's like heavily guarded, all this kind of stuff. So there there it is. There's the heist. Right? They're going to break in. They're going to steal all the king's treasure and they're going to do it. And basically here you get kind of like chatty Charlie talking about his cousin's mate who works on the guard shift. He's an idiot. And and then they work out their plan. And one of those sequences where I don't know how the heist would exactly play out, but it would basically be as they're talking through the plan, you see the plan in action. So essentially you would get a couple of guys to impersonate guards, distract them, sneak them in. And while that's happening, you get suddenly attacked by the resistance and you'd have like Jin shooting arrows at people from the trees and running around so that the guards swarm out to protect it. You see General Stone, played by Mark Strong, come out to kind of defend the place. He's obviously there. Who's playing Jin,
1: by the way? Have we discussed that? That's Ruth. That's Ruth. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
3: So that's kind of happening. You get General Stone comes out. Because they're literally going to steal a sword from a stone.
1: Oh, Tommy Lloyd, no!
3: Um, So they literally end up pulling off the heist. They walk into this room. They go down a whole bunch of stairs. They burst into this vault and there's nothing in there. There's no gold. There's nothing but a fucking bald
1: twat. Oh, no. There's
3: Merlin in the vault and he's like, oh. What are you doing here? What You came here too for the sword? For the sword? Yeah, the sword, the sword of the Holy God. Oh, my God, nothing about this fucking sword. What are you doing here? It's like, I came here for the sword. And they all look. And the only thing in the room is this altar and on it this beautiful sword. And Arthur's like, where's the treasure? It's like, what? where's the treasure? This is supposed to house the king's most prized possession. And Merlin's like, do you not get what you're looking at? Like, this sword, this is the only thing that could stop the king from being the king. If someone else wielded this sword, the king has no claim to the throne. That's why it's here. It's heavily guarded, and but only the true king could pick it up. And it's like, oh, what? So, like, the actual king is like, no, that's there's more to it. The true king is not necessarily the king, but the king inside. And, and Merlin's not really good at text. Like, he's kind of botching all these analogies. Jin's like, well, what if it's not a king? What if it's a queen? And then she goes to pick up the sword and just burns the shit out of her hand. And then Galahad's like, maybe we need two people to pick it up. So him and Percy trying to burn the shit out of their hands. And Arthur's kind of standing there just, like, seething. And there's this whole argument breaks out. It's like, what, we broke into this vault to steal all this treasure and the only thing in here is a sword that we can't pick up. Those guards are going to come back. They're not going to last forever. At which point the guards start to come down to the vault. They finally worked out that the distraction or whatever it was, which I imagine would be like a resistance attack, was a distraction, and they're storming the vault, probably prefaced by Bedivere running down the stairs being the silent one, just running down and looking at them and like, oh, no, the guards are coming. Like, that's kind of the thing. And the guards run in and they're just surrounded and everyone sort of pulls their weapons and Arthur's lost his sword in the fight. So as the fight starts, literally without even thinking, he just grabs the sword and he can pick it up. And, of course, we don't get the super speedy fucking cool fight. He just picks the sword up and starts fighting everyone, protects, maybe saves. Maybe the reason he picks it up is because Merlin's in danger or Jin's in danger or someone in his group's in danger and he grabs the sword at the last second and and stabs the guy off. (laughs) At which point, during this whole fight, as, like, Arthur's holding his sword, fighting people. Like, we'd go to slow motion and would just pan around to, like, Merlin's face, just, like, pure ecstasy on, like, Daniel Radcliffe's bald little face. <laughs> um, and the, the guards retreat. Arthur kind of puts his sword down and we're like, oh, that was really intense. And Merlin's like, oh, my God. It's like, what? He's like, you're him. You're the king. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not the king. I picked up a sword. I'm not the king, all Right? right? I'm, I'm nothing. I'm not the king. You, you picked up the sacred sword of the whatever, the thousand majors something, lady of the lake gods, whatever. I was like, no, that's not me. Take the sword. And he goes to hand the sword to Merlin. And Merlin just like lets it drop. He's like, oh, that was the worst decision. It's touched to the dirty earth, but I can't touch it with my dirty hands. You have to take it. So they wrap it in cloth and Arthur kind of takes it. And basically we now get a similar beat to the film where they realise that there was no gold there. So there's got to be another way that they can just piss off the king. So they decide, bugger it. We'll do all the things that, that happen in the film. So you get like the breaking up of the dam. Um, you'd have sequences where they're like collecting taxes from villages and then Arthur and his band of merry men come through and kind of fight them all off and save the village. And you just get all these stories. And I need to cut with that. You just get moments of like the king finding out about it and just getting angrier and angrier and angrier and just like, how is this all happening? And I think they would start using the resistance, I think, in my head. Like they'd start spraying the gold paint.
0: Yeah, yeah. crown.
3: And of course he's, he won't touch the sword, is the other thing. Throughout all of this, he's doing all these things. And every time Merlin tries to give him the sword, it's just like wrapped in cloth. Does
1: the Arthur's, king know that the sword's gone?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's filthy. Do we see that? I think we should, yeah. So General Stone would come back and be like, they have the sword, and you'd just be like, What?
1: No. But not, yeah.
3: not clearly better than that. But that, that would happen. <laughs> is you, again, you would you would see the king's reactions to all of these right. all of these things going wrong. And he just he just can't place it. He's like, who is doing this? Who are they? We killed their leader. Who is doing this to me? And eventually he starts looking around and you kind of have this sequence of as, as they start going to villages, people are like, oh, my God, it's Arthur and, and his team and it's the, the golden spray paint guys. And it's like, well, not spray paint because this is the, this, you know, 1500s or whatever. So like paint, <laughs> normal paint. So it's, it's literally they're like, you know, again, a reputation a bit of connections, and then one day you just cut to the guards stone finds Chatty Charlie at the stocks and is walking past. Chatty Charlie's like, yeah, that rebel bloke fighting those people out in the the villages. I know him. I'm good friends with him. I know where he lives. I know all his family members. (laughs) And Stone just stops in front of him, takes him out. We have kind of an interrogation scene with him and Ben Mendelsohn and Chatty Charlie spills his guts. Mm. And Arthur, his word of what's happening. And basically the brothel just gets burnt, just destroyed. So what they do is, first of all, they lock all the doors (gasps) and
1: lock everyone inside. Oh, it's hard.
3: And the person who has to lock the doors... Is Jack, the one member of the blacklegs who was kind of on his side. And you just see, like, Jack just doesn't want to be doing this, but there's nothing, like, he's just following orders. Yeah. And they do it and they torch it. It kind of, there'd be a fade cut and it just ruins and ash and destroyed. It. And Arthur and the guys are standing there and they've, they've burnt the brothel. And Arthur's like, we can't win. We can't, we can't beat all these things we're doing, this resistance. We cannot beat this guy. And they're, they're kind of lost a bit of hope. And Arthur sits down and, and Malin appears and goes, well, you know what? No one would beat the king. He's like, I, I don't want to hear it well, you know, we have one thing that would definitely beat the king and he kind of holds a sword out to him and Arthur just pushes it away. He's like, I'm not your fucking king. I'm not your goddamn king with the goddamn sword. I'm just a guy. I'm nobody. I grew up in the street. I was the son of a whore that grew up in a dock that was raised by the best man I ever knew and I couldn't help him when he needed me to. I couldn't do anything for anybody. So I'm not your king. And Merlin's kind of sitting there for a bit. He goes, you know, I thought the texts were always open up to a bit of interpretation and I never thought that king was actually the king. You know, it's someone who's kind and compassionate and who cares about people. You know, I know why you wanted to rob the king is it's revenge, right? That's what you tell everybody. Why, do you, why are you helping all those villages? Why did you free those slave kids? Why do you help Lancelot and these guys who come and hang out with you? Why did you do any of that? It's because you're kind and you're strong and you're compassionate. You're a king, Arthur. Even if you don't have any royal blood in you, you're a king. And he just leaves the sword at Arthur's lap. And Arthur's kind of sitting there has a, a moment of kind of that reflection thing. The next day they kind of wake up and I'll there and he's like, right, we need to kill him. I'm like, kill who? Kill the king. Oh, my God, you've lost your marbles. He's like, no, we, we're going to kill him. We're going to wage war and we're going to kill him. We're going to do exactly what that idiot in that story did. We can't even the front of the salt. We don't have the army, so we need to sneak in. We're going to need a distraction. Right? We, we need reinforcements. That's, like, that's just impossible. It's like, who in this town is going to want to fight the king? There's, there's what? Handful of us, a bald twat over there. There's a few guys of the resistance, but they're fading. They're, they're not part of this fight. Who in this town is going to want to fight the king? Arthur just smiles and goes, oh, "I don't know. If he raised trade taxes to cover the debts of all the losses he's incurred from us stopping all the taxation on the villages and burning all these barges and things, then I reckon I'd be pretty pissed off if you know he he was charging us more to dock our boats here, and we just smash cut mm-hmm. to the Viking boats. Cool. We actually have a purpose for the Viking boats." Mm. So Arthur goes to the Vikings and they're walking up and Arthur's a little bit nervous and Lancelot's like it's really a good idea you did sleep with his daughter yeah and we did rob them multiple times <laughs> are we are we absolutely sure this is a, and then we just hear this like huge roar and boars the leader of the Vikings storms out don't have someone for this my name is Mickelson he's the, <laughs>
1: yes yeah. he's great
3: he's from that part of the world or I'm um, Tormund Giantsbane from Game Bang. of Thrones yeah. Tormund Giantsbane from Game of Thrones just storms out and he's just like you bastard. It's like, oh, Jesus. And everyone's like, no, that's fine. And I was like, it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine." He just gets up to me. He's like really close. He's like, "Uh, I come in peace. We're not here to do anything. I want to talk to you about your friend, the king. And the guy's like, I have no friend, the king. He said that we'd come in with trade and now he taxes us, takes all our goods to line his own pockets. I have no friend, the king. I was like, me neither. Do you want to help me take him down? And we can see that the Viking leader wants to do this, but (laughs) this guy's with his daughter (laughs) and they're all thieves. I'm not sure that this is the thing. And I was like, all right, why don't I make you a wager? You and me over there. You win. I'll leave. You never have to hear from me again. If I win, you help us fight. It's like, okay, bring it on. So it's like a bare knuckle boxing fight. Arthur's getting his ass kicked. This guy is enormous and a Viking. Like it's just... Not going to happen. And Mm. just wailing on him, wailing on him, bang. And Arthur's just on his knees, like just pretty much stuffed. At which point we just see the big giant Viking fella pick up a huge axe, raise it above his head and just like, yeah, do you want me to finish him? Do you want me to finish him? And the Vikings are like banging for blood. And everyone's like really nervous, really nervous. And at which point Arthur just calls out to Merlin. And as the axe comes down, Merlin throws the sword wrapped in cloth Arthur grabs the sword, pulls it out, bang! Blocks the blow from the axe, and there's this kind of maybe a concussive shockwave. It's a kind of magical sword, but not in the same absurd, mm. yeah, absurd yeah, levels in yeah. the film. I'm with you. And the the Vikings' axe is just snapped in half. And Arthur stands, and the crowd goes silent. That people know this sword; they know what this is. And everyone else in his team's like, "Oh yeah, he's got the sword." And he pulls it out and he holds it up. He's like, "Will you fight with me?" No, we'll uh, we'll come on board here, yeah, bring it on, so we'll we'll, we'll fight with you. <laughs> and as they're kind of rallying the troops back together to come with the plan, Lancelot's so like, so you're going to use that sword now, eh? He's like, yep. Like, I guess I'm not the, not the best swordsman in Londinium anymore. You see Jin go, you know, you're the third best swordsman in Londinium. It's like, oh, fine. And basically now we have the build-up to the final fight. So they storm the big spooky black castle, and effectively it's leading up to the fight. They just start, like, ambushing certain factions of guards and leaving more and more graffiti up and graffiti spelling out, you know, death to the false king. So like really really hammering home that they're coming after the king here and he's he's not angry anymore. He's he's a little bit scared. And he instructs, you know, I want guards on every gate. They're coming after me. We need to protect ourselves. And then Mercer, General runs in and goes, "Sir, you need you need to come and see this." And they go outside and there's just hundreds and thousands of people, all of the low-class people who have been downtrodden their whole lives, just standing at the palace gates. They're not chanting, they're not doing anything. They're just standing there. It's eerie as shit. The king's like, go home, cl- clear them out, clear them out, get, get them out of here, get them out of here. And they, they're just resisting. They're not throwing punches, but they're just getting back up again. They're not going out of a fight. And then all of a sudden, from within their numbers, the remaining members of any resistance they had, anyone capable of fighting, plus the Vikings, burst forth. And we kind of get this, this fight sequence that has all of the black legs that have now been sent out to protect the king, leaving the king a little bit exposed in his oh. little keep. With his sea witch in the No there's no Sea Witch in the, <laughs> He doesn't have to kill his own daughter to wear a bunch of sh- to wear some shitty armor. So yeah, so we we literally now have the Vikings storm the castle, the people storm the castle, fight all the black legs, Arthur fights his way through. And here we have, you know, we see things like Merlin's fighting people. Like Merlin, really? He's got like a stick, he's or a something. Talk. He's a monk. You know, and he's punching people, and it's like, you can fight. He's like, I'm a monk. You know, that'd be a fun joke. Not a friar joke from Van Helsing. We have Lancelot's trying to fight with a sword and he just can't get it right, so he ends up taking like a hammer. Like a war hammer that he steals from someone, and that just starts working better. So he throws the sword away. Jin catches it. She's now, you know, killing people with two swords. (laughs) And all this fight builds and builds and builds until finally Arthur's run up to the top of the castle and there's the king and it's just him and the king. And the king's gone from being cocky and confident to being terrified. This guy is not a fighter. This isn't the dangerous magical king from the film. This guy got where he was through intimidation and power and he doesn't have either of those things anymore. He's this kind of... Weak, terrified man, and as Arthur walks towards him with Excalibur in hand, you know, covered in blood, maybe he's stabbed. He's probably killed Stone on the way in because Stone had been sent to yep to get him. Actually, no, here's a fix on the fly. Arthur reaches the stairs and he has to fight Stone to get to the king, but he just can't beat him, just can't beat him, and then all of a sudden the sword just pierces Stone's chest, and there's Jack. The guard has
0: kind of Oh yeah redeemed himself. Oh, somewhat. Oh,
1: that's, that's, oh, yeah.
0: Um, I don't know if that's quite enough redemption for literally burning so, everyone the So So Okay, then building. maybe he
3: stabs him, but in doing so he dies as well. Yeah. So like Jack yeah, okay. kills himself kills yeah. Stone somehow. Right. Um, anyway, so Arthur walks into the final, into this into this chamber, and the king is just sitting there terrified, and it's Who are you? Who are you? Who, are you? Who thinks you can challenge me? I am the king. I am the might of God. I am the ruler of the realms, the commander of the greatest army, the ruler of the free people. I am the king. Who are you? And Arthur just pulls the sword and this far away just goes, I am nothing. Stabs him in the
0: chest. Nice.
3: As the sword goes through him, you just see the flicker of recognition in Benny's eyes as he slowly just drops to the ground. Arthur pulls the sword out and he looks around and he walks out onto the same balcony that the king Went out to check his hand. He walks out and he just sees that they've won the battle. The Blacklegs have been mostly defeated or have surrendered. And as he walks out there, you just see, you know, Bors, the big Viking, holds up his axe. All the other Vikings cheer. And then you just hear just this tiny little monk voice from down below. Long live King Arthur! And all of the people join in. And the crowd starts cheering his name. And Arthur just stands there unsure of what to do and... And raises the sword. And as he raises the sword, we see that behind him is like a bit of graffiti and it's the crown. It's just above his head. Oh. Because I don't want to give him a crown. I want to give him a graffiti crown.
1: That's cool.
0: He holds the sword up
3: and bang, we go to credits.
0: What's the uh, what's post credit scene setting up the next six films?
1: Uh, so there's <laughs> uh, going to be eight seven. Films? I'm going
0: to do a Guardians okay. of the Galaxy 2.
3: <laughs> so someone's going to turn to a snake.
0: Okay, good, good.
1: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> missed that. There's going to be a bit where like... Arthur drops the sword into a, a body of water and then falls into a pile of leaves and ends up under the sea with the Lady of the Lake. Cool. Um, so that's going to happen. Uh, sea
0: witches, probably, probably.
3: Jin yeah. um, will re- be revealed to be the daughter of a sea witch. Cool. Uh, probably. So that's that's my that's my that's my six stings.
0: No, good stuff. I like the fact that Arthur wasn't mega proficient. Like he just kind of regularly got his ass handed to him, which made him a lot more realistic. Well, not not like realistic in a film that has a magic sword, but like, but it's not super magic believable. Where it's like, okay, yeah, like he's not like the greatest fighter in all the land. He's not like this, you know, incredibly proficient warrior. Pretty much everyone around him is more capable than mm. he is. But yeah. like, purely through persistence and bravery and standing up and all of that, which is so much more important.
3: Yeah. That's, that's what I was going for. I didn't want him to be this great fighter. He was. He was actually what I wanted to highlight was that he was a good leader. Like, yes, exactly. To work together to steal stuff. From other people. Yeah, it's good.
0: Sure. It's yeah. good. And you you made like the guy Richie kind of rough and tumbleness actually work for it in that it was still rousing, it was still had a lot of heart, it still had a lot of gravitas to it, but sort of had that funny zaniness as well at the same yeah. time. I might maybe like tone down all the I mean, I just I it's just a personal like pet peeve of mine where it's like, you know, when whenever it's like a female character, like, you know, pulling out a sword and being like, Oh, I'm gonna threaten you because you like said this oh, thing about fair. me, it's like yeah, like if a guy did that, it'd just be like, "Whoa, okay." Like, let's take a step back. But it's just kind of like, do, is anybody really that violent? No, fair that's it. We the can, point. We can so, it's like, like that. she her just let it, let it be more fun, just but be more. I think that's
1: like her, like, oh, no, overcompensating mean, for the fact that women get wood, especially but would especially in media. Isn't times it better get, if
0: she's just proficient and everybody's like, you know, she's proficient. We're not even going to question it. There,
3: here you go. So when when, it's like when she has when, to pull when, out
0: a sword and threaten people when to she prove does her the bit where she's
3: like excuse me, I'm the best swordsman. And Lancelot's like, uh, you're, the, you're the best swordswoman. She's like, no, I'm the best swordsman in, in Londinium. That's when like Galahad of Percy could walk in. She's like, she's a better swordsman than you, Lancelot. Yeah, she's better at fighting with swords, archery, drinking, building things, being a person. She's just universally better than you, are, uh, Lancelot. So it's like, yeah, have some like fun maybe the it. yeah. thing is that the whole group are like, Lancelot, you're pretty good, but she's a lot better than you. So when he finally gets the
0: hammer at the end, you can be like, Here's ah, my thing. Yeah, here's my thing. Right. Well, so I kind of think it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's kind of fun if Lancelot like has that slight inferiority complex where oh, she's yeah. like. But I always think it's just more fun if, like, instead of her being like, "I'm going to pull out a sword and threaten you because you challenge my honor," it's like she doesn't even need to do that because it's just so obvious that yeah. she's she can that good. She just like
3: tap. It. Like when he goes, "No, I'm I'm going to be the best swords," instead of pulling a knife on me again later, she can just like tap him on the face. It's like you keep telling yourself that.
1: Buddy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Lancy. No one's called me that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And she keeps <laughs> yeah. doing it. Or Lottie. Lottie would be funnier because that's
0: Charlotte. Yeah, anyway. yeah. No, that's cool. good. I like that. Done.
1: You we'll nailed the English accents, Tom. Oh, thanks. They were so good.
0: I just took a leaf out of old uh, Damien Robb's book. Yep. King oh. of accents. He is the king of accents. It's yeah. true. Old Robb. So, yeah, so that's my- That's good. That's awesome. significantly yeah. better than the film we got. It was,
1: I really liked you, it.
0: You'd, only, you'd fall asleep at 80% of it. <laughs> I sat awake for the whole thing. So yeah. you've Yay. got one over Guy Ritchie yeah. in this Yay. regard. I
1: might even pay for it. Uh, which I, I did I paid for the no, other I one paid. Like, it
0: was
3: just like you a really pay. someone else bought it for you Jesse bought it for you yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: it's but just a really your friendly your cinema well. where they paused yeah. it for us at all the times we needed we and... need we need to stop digging our grave <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so I think I should you know I, might, I might uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like, so on that note um, I've been handsome Tom I've
1: been Gabe I've been Kath, I've been
3: Kath. and if you have any questions about what's going to happen for the next 12 King Arthur films let us know send us an email to our movie maintenance email address which is maintenance at sanspantsradio.com or Twitter at MM sanspants or individually, I'm at
0: Awkward Tree. I'm at Goldberg Moser.
1: Or for me, go on Instagram for Kath at five, which I think is my Instagram I, handle. I
0: don't know what your Instagram don't handle look at me. is. Ah! I don't know.
1: Ah! Oh, something good to that effect. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>